Hey, good morning, Grace Hill Church and other friends tuning in. We're so glad that you have joined us this morning as we gather and worship. I hope you're having a great Sunday so far. It's actually Thursday for me because we're pre-recording this sermon, but I'm excited to worship with all of you on Sunday. And so we have been studying together the Gospel of Luke, and last week we jumped into Luke chapter 6. And Luke chapter 6 is where Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, or it's at least Luke's recording of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, The Gospel of Matthew gives us a much larger version of it. But Luke records his version of the Sermon on the Mount in a very particular way. And here's what he's doing. He's giving us five different fruits that a Christian grows or displays in their life. Like if someone truly believes in Jesus, if they follow Jesus, then these five fruits will grow upon the Christian. So Jesus says later in Luke chapter 6 that you know a tree by its fruit. And so we want to, as a church, humbly examine ourselves and ask the question, are we bearing the kinds of fruits that come when we actually follow Jesus? Because labels really don't matter, all right? There's a lot of people who claim to be Christian. There's a lot of people who say they wear the jersey for Team Jesus, but it's not the label that matters. What matters is, are we displaying the fruit that comes from God's transforming grace in our life. So I've been calling this uh, little series on the Sermon on the Mount out of Luke 6, How to Spot a Christian. And so uh, last week we started and the first fruit that we talked about was the fruit of the long game. We said that the Christian plays the long game and they don't waste their time with the short game. And and what we meant by that was as followers of Jesus, we know that we're going to spend eternity in God's kingdom. And everything that our heart longs for is going to be given to us in God's kingdom. So we play the long game. We don't waste our time with the short game and try to find all of the things that our heart longs for here in this world. And here's the trick of it all is that When we do that, when we play the long game, when we trust that Christ will bring us into eternity, it actually frees us to devote our lives to God's purposes for us and to love our neighbors and care for our neighbors. We don't have to devote our life just to chase after all the things that we want. And that's the fruit of the long game. So this week, here's the fruit, the next fruit that we're going to talk about, all right? The, the follower of Jesus, the, the person who patterns their life after Jesus, the, the true Christian, one of the fruits that grows on them is that they are merciful. They are merciful. When someone hurts them or insults them, they're merciful. When they see someone in need, they have compassion And they are merciful, all right? So that's the fruit that we're going to talk about this morning. And so let's jump into Luke 6. I want to show you what Jesus says about this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Luke chapter 6, verses 27 
to 36. All right, so here's what Jesus says. Remember, he's just continuing his sermon on the mount. So we're jumping in from where we stopped last week. So Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. This is prophetic for our time. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, someone who steals from you, don't demand your goods back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. We all want people to be merciful to us. We want people to have compassion upon us, right? We want people to give us the benefit of the doubt. We got to do that to others too. He continues, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them, right? So here's what Jesus is doing. He's now creating a distinction. All right, the way that my followers interact with, show mercy, have compassion on others is going to be different than the rest of the world. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Look at this, verse 36. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. All right, so when most people read this text, um, a lot of people, what they want to do is they want to de-radicalize what Jesus is saying here, right? Is Jesus actually saying, if someone smacks you on the cheek, just turn the other cheek? Yeah, that's, that's what he said. Is Jesus really saying that if someone steals from you, don't, don't demand the stuff back? Yeah, that's, that's what he said. Is Jesus really saying that, that if someone wants to borrow money from you and you know you're not going to get your money back, that you should lend it to them anyway? Yeah, that's what Jesus said. Like, we are talking about mercy here. And mercy is a radical idea. All right, so, so mercy, the very definition of mercy is that we are giving someone something that they do not deserve. So if someone hurts us, we're forgiving them even when they don't deserve it. That's mercy. If someone needs something from us, we give it to them even if they do not deserve it, right? So we are talking about two different kinds of of mercy here. We're talking about a kind of mercy that, that forgives when we've been insulted or we've been hurt. And we're talking about a mercy that is having compassion on someone when they are in need. So let's talk about this for a second because 
I, I don't think what Jesus is saying is, okay, if someone comes and, and smacks you in the face, right, that what's going on with you is that you get angry, that you're filled with rage, you want to retaliate, but, but, but because you want to be a good Christian, you, you, you kind of bear it, you stuff that down, you just let bitterness build inside of you and you kind of turn the other cheek or you don't retaliate, but you're angry inside, but on the outside you're trying to act all Christian. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I don't think what Jesus is saying is that if someone comes and, and asks you for money, that inside you're, you're kind of getting all torn up and you don't want to give it. And, and you're, you, this guy's maybe uh, uh, not returned your money in the past or you, you, whatever it is. And so you kind of reluctantly give money. On the inside, you're bitter, but on the outside, you're trying to act all Christian. I, I don't think what that is what Jesus is trying to to say here because Jesus is always more concerned about what's going on internally inside your heart instead of externally and what your behavior is. And the fruit that grows on the Christian is that they have a heart that is merciful. It's not just this external reality, it's this internal reality. And so here's what that looks like. What it means is is when someone hurts you or someone insults you, there's actually an absence of a retaliatory desire in you. It's it's not there. You, You have a merciful disposition in your heart. That's even more radical, isn't it? Or when someone needs something from you or you see somebody that is in need, there is an absence of a self-protective desire, right? This absence of, you know, the filter that you try to make your decision if you're going to help someone or not is not, you know, what's in it for me. It's not, oh no, do I have enough for this? It's not what's best for me. What's going to best protect my interests? No, the filter is mercy. It's compassion, an absence of a self-protective desire. That's even more radical. Now, this goes without saying, right? That if, if you're in uh, an abusive situation, you know, in your home, uh, in your marriage, within your family, at work, where someone is actively abusing you, right? You're not being unmerciful by getting out of that situation, Okay, it is not unmerciful to, to get out and to report them to the authorities because that is what you should do. But here it is what we are saying about any time that, that we as followers of Christ uh, are, are abused or insulted or someone hurts us is that there's an absence of this retali- retaliatory desire. There's this absence of a self-protective desire, something different is going on in our heart. So let me, let me show you something, all right? I have this, this box here, all right? And uh, I've, I've labeled this box, this is your earthly box. This is my earthly box. And, he, and here's what I mean by my, my earthly box or your earthly box is inside this box is everything that we find precious in this life. Like anything that matters to us, it's found in this box. So this box is full 
of all kinds of really good things. There's nothing in here actually that's bad. This is all good stuff. So for example, in this box is, is your career. All right. If you, if you love your career, if you're passionate about your career, if it's precious to you, well, that's in this box. This is a good thing. Or your possessions, P possessions aren't bad. Those are, those are good. Um, money. All right. Money that's in your box. Uh, your health that's precious to all of us. Our, our comfort, um, our relationships. So maybe this is our marriage. These are our kids. These are our friends, our coworkers, neighbors, whoever, just the relationships that we find precious, but there's also some deeper things in this box. Let me see if I can find some here. So for example, our dignity is in this box. Our, our self-respect, our self-esteem, what we think of ourselves, our value. Uh, oh, here's a big one. Our future is in this box. We all worry about our future, are anxious about our future, and if we're going to be provided for and have the things that we need. Um, there's others in here. Our identity, who we are is in this box. And, and lastly, our, our purpose is in this box. And the kinds of uh, things that we think we are put on this planet to do, the things we're passionate about, the things that we believe we're built for. Now, Here's the thing about this box. This box is, it's just cardboard, all right? It's, it, it's pretty fragile. Uh, this box really will not protect the things inside of it, meaning that all of these things that are precious to us are, are vulnerable, and other people are a threat to the things that are inside of our box, right? Think about that for a second. So I'll just grab a few. So like our money. So if someone comes up to us and wants to borrow our money, well, that's a, that's a threat to our money. And if we find it precious, it's going to be hard to be merciful. Um, you know, uh, our relationships, right? Uh, other people are a threat to that. Uh, I mean, if your spouse says something to you that's hurtful, if coworkers slander you or whatever it is, it's a threat to our relationships that we find uh, precious, right? Other people are a threat. Other people can be a threat to our comfort. Other people can be a threat to our career. But here's what happens, okay? Is let's say we have a situation where someone slanders you uh, at the office, okay? And all of a sudden, this person, because they have said untrue things about you, um, they, have a, they have threatened your career. But it's not just your career that they have threatened. Uh, maybe they've also threatened your dignity, all right, and your self-respect and your self-value. Uh, maybe they've threatened your future because you really see your career as providing for your future. Maybe they have threatened your, if I can find it here, your purpose, because you find your purpose and, and why you're on this planet is your career. And so we could do that with any of these things in the box where these earthly things that we find so precious, there's these deeper realities behind them and other people are a threat to them. So you can't be merciful. Actually, it's impossible to be merciful on the inside. Remember, there's a difference between what's going on inside and the external, right? It's impossible to be merciful on the inside if people 
are threatening what is most precious to us. So, let me read you a scripture. I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 to 5. Look at what Peter says. He says in verse 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy upon you, upon me, that we have been born again. All right? We, we've become followers of Jesus. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled. Beyond the reach of change and decay. And you could add other people. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Okay, let, let me show you another box. All right, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just drag this table over here. All right, let me, let me show you something else. We've got our earthly box, all right? And, all right, yeah, another box for you. All right, right here. This box, this is one of our road cases at Grace Hill Church. It's heavy. We use it to hold some of our equipment. I think this is our microphone box. But we're going to use it today. This is your heavenly box. This is a sturdy box, all right? This box is designed to protect everything that is inside of it, all right? It is. You can abuse this box. You can throw it around. You can drop it. And it's going to protect what's inside of it. And what we just read in 1 Peter is that God has granted you an inheritance because you're a follower of Jesus, because you trust in Jesus, because you are one of His. He has given you an inheritance and Peter just said, it is kept in heaven for you. It's guarded in heaven for you. It's, it's not able to be uh, a challenged or threatened by other people, by change, by decay, or anything else. It is kept in heaven for you. All right, so here's what this means. Okay, the, the true follower of Jesus is, is someone who has placed their trust in Christ. And, and what that means is that we know that we have sinned against God. We have rejected our Creator. We know that we need to be rescued and that our identity and our dignity have been marred because we've sinned against God. We've rejected Him as our Father, as our King. And so trusting in Christ means that we believe that what God did is He, he sent Jesus to come here and, and live on this earth. And what Jesus does is he lives the righteous life that you and I could not live. And he dies the sinner's death that you and I deserve to die. 
And what that means is Jesus now, he, he takes our identity as a sinner and our dignity as someone who's rejected God, and he's now restored them. He has now said, no, 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 you are now forgiven because of what I did on the cross. You are now righteous because I have given you my righteousness, right? You have value. You have dignity. You are now a beloved child of God, adopted into God's family, never to be condemned, never to be kicked out. And so Jesus takes your identity and he takes your dignity and he opens up his heavenly box and he puts them in there and he secures it for all of eternity. But, it, but it's more than that. Jesus also rose again from the dead, which means Jesus has guaranteed us that we will now have eternal life because he defeated death and we'll live forever in God's kingdom. So Jesus has taken our future and he has secured that. It is no longer in our earthly box that can be threatened by earthly things. Jesus now takes this and he puts it in our heavenly box and he guards it and he secures it forever. But it's also not just that. Jesus also has given us a purpose. He said, okay, now that you're mine, now that you're a child of God, now that you're forgiven, now that your future is secure for all of eternity, I have a purpose for you during this life. All right. And that purpose upon you during this life. So I want you to stay. I want you to continue to endure the brokenness and the hardships of this world. But I want you to go make more disciples. I want you to tell everyone that you can about what I have done to rescue you from your sin and the brokenness of this world. So he says, through everything you endure in this life, you now have a purpose and nobody can threaten that purpose. Nobody can take that away from you. And Jesus grabbed these things. He locks them up. He secures it in heaven for you. And nothing on this planet can threaten it. But here's the thing. We still have our earthly box. And, and there's still some really good things in this box. But God tells us that we live in a broken world we are going to experience suffering in this life and none of the things in this box now are guaranteed to us. They are vulnerable. Um, other people are a threat to these things. We're, we're not guaranteed them. So, so here's how this plays out, right? All right, so let me open my heavenly box here for just a second. But if I look to my money, okay, to secure my future, all right? If this is what I'm looking to, to secure my future, when someone comes to me and wants my money, or if someone threatens my money, what they've actually done is threatened my future, and it will be impossible for me to be merciful. But... But when I see that, that Christ has secured my future and, and my money has nothing to do with my future, has absolutely nothing to do if I will be provided for in the future. Now, listen, now I have this disposition in my heart 
I have the ability to, to not be so worried about protecting myself and protecting my interests. I now am, am just here to serve others, to fulfill the purpose that God has given me, and now I can be merciful. Or if, uh, let's say, I look to my career to secure my purpose, right? We've talked about this already, but if I see my career as what my purpose is in life, when someone comes and maybe slanders me at the workplace or something else happens or I get fired from my job or I get let go or COVID-19 hits and I have to lose my job, well, I didn't just lose my career. I've now lost my purpose. And it's going to be impossible for me to be merciful to those who have threatened this. But if I see that Christ has secured my purpose, he has given me a reason to be here and an assignment on my life. My career has nothing to do with that. And so now I can be merciful. If I look to the relationships in my life that secure my dignity, and how people treat me or what people think about me, and that's where I find my dignity, it's going to be impossible to be merciful when people insult me or I'm going to be obsessed about what people think about me. But when I see that Christ has secured my dignity forever, I don't have to look to my relationships to secure my dignity. And so now this is an area where I can be merciful, right? This is what Christ has done. He has now secured my identity, my dignity, my purpose in my future. And because Christ has secured those things, it completely transforms my relationship with the things in this box. Right? The things in this box, they're, they're no longer the, the things that I look to to secure these things in my life. No, it's now completely different. I now see all of these things, my possessions, my comfort, my health, my money, career, all of these things as gifts that God has given me to invest and to steward for his purposes in my life. And so now I can be merciful because God has given me this purpose, right? So, okay, let's say, you know, your spouse comes and insults you or says something to you that's super hurtful or anything like that, right? Well, that's no longer a threat to your dignity. Dignity. Does it still hurt? Yes, it still hurts. Is it still something you're going to have to deal with? Yes, but... Now, there's no retaliatory desire in you. You can now be merciful in this moment. If someone steals from you, you don't need to get all bent out of shape because my my possessions aren't what secures the most important things in my life. So I, I don't have to have those things back. If someone cuts me off in traffic, right? Well, okay. I mean, that that happens. I can kind of roll with the punches now. There's not a retaliatory desire. I'm not cursing their name in my car because that wasn't a threat to my dignity when they cut me off, right? So you see how this plays out. When we see that Christ has secured our identity and dignity and our future and our purpose, and we don't look to the things of this world to secure those things, that is how we begin to be merciful. So, Grace Hill, let's examine ourselves. 
Do I look to the things of the world to secure what matters the most in my life? Because if I do, I'm not going to be able to grow the fruit of mercy. But Christ has rescued us from that. Like, I want you to get this. Christ has rescued us from a life of anxiety and stress and high blood pressure, cortisol pumping through our veins, stress in our life and anger and bitterness. He's rescued us from that. Uh, the things of this world don't have to threaten the th what is most precious to us. And so here, here is how you grow this fruit, because we all struggle with this. Let's be honest. No one of, not one of us is perfect at this. I'm not perfect at this. This is, a, this is a, maybe a small budding fruit that, that Christ wants to continue to grow upon us. And so here's how you grow in mercy. You cannot grow in your mercy towards others until you have a greater awareness of God's mercy upon you you. You just won't grow in mercy until you understand the amount of mercy that God has shown you. Like, where would any of us be today if Jesus Christ every single day didn't turn the other cheek when we sin against Him? If Jesus' mercies upon us weren't new every single morning, where would we be? Where would we be if our God, if, if Christ was stingy and greedy when it comes to His blessings upon us, when we go to Him in prayer and we say, God, I need forgiveness again. God, I need Your help again today. God, I need guidance. God, I need Your help. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. If, if Christ was just stingy and, and He didn't grant our prayers, He didn't listen to us because we had just done it over and over and over again and we're not consistent in our faithfulness. But, but that's not Jesus. He is merciful towards us. Every single day, His mercies do not run out. And until we have an awareness of God's mercy upon us, we're not going to grow this fruit of mercy in our lives. Until we have an awareness of the enormity of God's mercy upon us, the fact that He has secured our purpose and our future and our identity in heaven for all of eternity that will never be threatened again, until we realize the amount of mercy that went into that, we won't grow in mercy towards others. And so, so Grace Hill, here's, here's my prayer for us as a church. Here's my prayer for you and for me is that we will be the most merciful people that anyone encounters. That you would be the most merciful person that your neighbor talks to, that your coworkers talk to, that your boss leads, that your employees report to. That you would be the most merciful person in your family, in your household, that your kids get to see, that, you, that your spouse experiences, that other people in your family experience, that we would be merciful people because I cannot think of a better way to display the gospel and the love of Christ than being merciful people. So let me pray for us right now that God would grow this fruit of mercy 
on us. Let's pray. God, we are just so thankful for your mercy upon us. We, we do not deserve to have all of these precious things, our identity and our future and our purpose to be secured in heaven forever. But God, in your grace and in your mercy, you did that through Christ. You rescued us. So God, help us not to be flippant about your mercy upon us. And God, would you grow this mercy, this fruit of mercy upon us so that we can display the love of Christ. And Lord, so that we can live a life that's not just wrecked with anxiety and stress and bitterness and high blood pressure and frustration at others, but we can live a more joyful life serving others, caring for others, because we know that you have secured us for all of eternity. God, please grow this fruit upon us here at Grace Hill. In Christ's name, amen.